and welcome to episode number 224 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Steven Anders and a new face to this podcast. If you listen to our sister side podcast over on Legal Sports Report, you know this man very, very well, but he will be with us all NFL season long here over on the lines. He is the candy man himself, Adam Candy. You can find him on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. You can find Steven at Steven Anders one and me at Matt Brown M2. Subscribe, rate, review, and of course, if you're watching us on the YouTubes, everything is free. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. Tons and tons and tons of content. All NFL, college, NBA, season long, golf, everything we do. Absolutely free. Adam, welcome to this. We are very excited to have you on board. We had some really good, uh, had some really good I think analysis last season, I think we did pretty well overall from a betting standpoint. So definitely looking forward to your analytical approach to this, looking forward to your angle and your slant on all this and see if you can maybe keep me and Steven in line. Well, I, of course, was a regular listener to this podcast before becoming uh, your newest member. And I have to warn the listeners of just one thing. I can give you a, a deep, resonant voice. I cannot match in visual appearance or in delicious accent uh, the former member of this chair, Brad Allen. Yes, unfortunate <laughs> for all of us that we don't have a British accent. Unfortunate for all of us that we don't have striking British GQ good looks, but that's okay. We will uh, we will just try to give you hopefully the best information we can to lead you to some winning bets here over the course of the NFL season. So, guys, we're going to talk the NFC North in this podcast and let's go ahead and just start off kind of at the bottom of the barrel here because I don't really think any of us have a super compelling case to be made for the Bears doing better than most people think I mean maybe there's some bets out there on the futility side that we might be looking at here on Chicago but we do look at this Bears team if you want to bet them to win the NFC North I would highly recommend against it the best you can find out there 16 to 1 if you want the Bears to win the NFC North. If you're looking at the best number you can find on the Bears to win the Super Bowl, and again, I recommend you not, but you can find 175 to 1 on this team to win the Super Bowl. So if you feel so inclined, go ahead and shop around because 175 to 1 is actually a better number than available at the other books by a pretty wide margin. So take a look at that out there. Guys, we look at a team. That is Matt Eberflus now in as the head coach. He comes over from being the defensive coordinator at Indianapolis. So we do have the coaching change, different regime there in Chicago. Luke Getze comes in as the offensive coordinator. It comes over from Green Bay. Allen Williams comes over as defensive coordinator, comes over with Eberflus. And so he's going to be the defensive coordinator. He was doing defensive backs over there in Indianapolis. If we look at what's going on with this team, I mean, look, you lose Allen Robinson, you lose Khalil Mack, you lose Eddie Goldman, you lose Akeem Hicks. I mean, there's just a ton of guys that were headed out the door for Chicago. If you look who came in, it wasn't really a giant influx of players either. I mean, you could, Justin Jones on the defensive line, Byron Pringle, if you want to consider that a signing at the wide receiver position, but nothing that really moves the meter all that much. They didn't have a first-round pick, so you come in in the second round, you take Kyler Gordon with a corner in the second round, you take uh, Joaquin, uh, Joaquin Brisker as the uh, as your second second-round pick. You do take a wide receiver, 
with your third round pick? Because again, Allen Robinson out of town here. Darnell Mooney has to be your kind of number one receiver just by de facto there at this point. So, um, Adam, I'll kick things off with you. Let's start things here with you on this Chicago team. What what is the bright side of this team? What is the upside of this team? Is there anything as you look at this squad that you can point at and say, okay, that's at least something to be excited about as we head into the 2022 season? Well, Matt, I think it's a matter of addition by subtraction if you're looking for a positive with the Chicago Bears. And the subtraction is Matt Nagy as head coach. And I know it was very easy to bag on Nagy as the season went along and the frustrations that he had with Justin Fields. But there are some numbers to back up the fact that you might get some positive regression from Justin Fields just from not having Matt Nagy calling the plays. Uh, If you go look back, you see that the Bears averaged almost 10 yards to gain on third down last year. The calls that Matt Nagy made uh, gained 0.9 yards on third down. Uh, they had the worst third down conversion rate in the National Football League. So if I'm going to talk about a positive, I'm going to talk about the fact that I don't think you could do much worse in terms of utilizing Justin Fields. But of course, when it comes to the Bears, any light at the end of the tunnel is a freight train, because when you look at their offense, They've actually regressed. Uh, If you look at their salary cap spending, they are spending the least of any team in football on their offense this year, which with a rookie quarterback, you might expect to be the case, but they haven't invested anywhere else on that offense. So again, not to get too deep into it with the Bears, I don't really think there is a need for us to discuss this team much. There's been nothing positive coming out of camp. There's been nothing positive we've seen in the offseason. In fact, the only way I think I would approach the Bears this year, you talked about futility, Matt. Um, I might play an alt under. on them. Uh, They're sitting at five and a half on the board right now. Uh, Four and a half on the alt plus 180. If you look at their schedule, the only two games where you're going to look and say they have a real competitive shot are Houston and Atlanta. Uh, At the value of plus 180, I might consider uh, getting in on that under four and a half because I do think this team has a chance to be the worst team in the NFL this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be a race between between this Bears squad and, you know, listen, depending on what the quarterback situation looks like with the Jets, the Jets could certainly be in the conversation as well whenever we're going to, you know, talking about worst teams in the NFL. Steven, there is a an alt-under at DraftKings sitting at five and a half where the, alt, where the under pays plus 120. I, I think when we look at this squad, we're all kind of wondering, it's not necessarily – how good can they be? It's more like how bad can they be as opposed to, you know, trying to find the glass half full here. I think it's just how empty is the glass. And so, I mean, for me, worst worst record, I think, is, you know, in play under five and a half, certainly in play. Adam just mentioned an alt that you can get all the way up to nearly two to one under four and a half. I mean, I think all of these are at least on the table for this bear squad. For sure. We talked last podcast about how I'm, I'm taking a, a nine to one shot on the C. Seahawks to have the worst record. I, I might combine that with the Bears at nine to one. Mm-hmm. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. The the one concern I do have is that there are some games on the schedule. I I would still put maybe the I'm high on the Giants compared to expectation, but that's still mm-hmm. arguably a winnable game. I'm very low on Washington. That that's on the schedule as well. But I, I agree that that nine to one price with them and the Seahawks is um, two and two wrong compared to you know the shorter prices on the texans and the falcons at three and a half and four to one so it's abundantly clear what the bears are doing this year they are 
taking as much salary cap space as they have and rolling it over to the following season, maybe getting a high pick in a quarterback draft that was better than this one. If Justin Fields does not work out, we've seen teams move on from quarterbacks after just a couple of years. So I wouldn't rule that out with the Bears. On top of the lack of offensive spending that Adam mentioned, 20th in the league in defensive line spending, dead last in cornerback spending. If you just look at position grades across the board, I mean, if green is good and red is bad, this is red across the board for the Chicago yeah. Bears. The Sharp football staff doesn't have any unit graded higher than 27th, and that's the running back. So who gives a damn about the running back? So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to criticize a, a team going into the first year of a regime. It's clear what they're doing. They're playing the long game. They're playing the money ball. Uh, I won't call it tanking, but we've seen NFL teams start to do this more and more, and, and they're going to – roll over this money and the draft capital they have to try and build this roster over time because they don't have the talent right now whatsoever. And Justin Fields could get killed behind a very bad offensive line. You can easily point at four games if you are betting either an over or an under on this team. Week three, they get Houston. Then you go to a three-game stretch, weeks 10, 11, 12, where it's the Lions, the Falcons, the Jets, right? And like you expect that there's going to be somewhere along the way a win they probably shouldn't get, as you mentioned. There is a there is a game game against the Giants, which I'm higher on the Giants as well as most people are. But hey, maybe that doesn't pan out. Washington is on the schedule. Maybe that doesn't pan out as well. Miami, we think is going to be better. Maybe they won't be. So there there are some games on there that maybe could be a little bit coin tossy. But I think those four games, week three with Houston, and then 10, 11, 12 at home against the Lions, and then you get the Falcons and the Jets and. Adam, I think if we're sweating an alt under here, it's going to come down to can they win one of those road games? They go to Atlanta, they go to the Jets, and that might be what it comes down to because after that, Green Bay, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Minnesota, all on the schedule to kind of close out the season. They're not getting it done in those games, and so it's going to be winning one of those road games, I think, in Atlanta and New York, and so you're kind of sweating your entire bet in, in weeks 10, 11, and 12. And I think it, Stephen brings up a good point about what's the aim for the Bears this year. Mm-hmm. When they get to week 12 and that part of the schedule starts, uh, I'm not sure you're going to be able to set those lines high enough uh, if for those opponents. They might IR everybody. They, they <laughs> might just IR a whole lot of guys. And so I would look at early in the year, especially uh, I would look at if I were finding a way to play the Bears, I'd be looking at Justin Fields rushing props because I think they're going to be smart enough to use him on more designed runs than Matt Nagy did. Plus, the fact of the matter is the offensive line is terrible and he will be scrambling for his life. And Justin Fields is a guy who likes to hang in the pocket and try to find Mm -hmm. something. So, you know, are they going to be spying him? No, you don't have to. He's not that good. So depending on where they're set, of course, you know, I'm not going to be playing over 50 rushing yards on Justin Fields, but it's where I'm going to be pointing if I'm looking at the Bears at all. Let's take a look here at the Detroit Lions. And if you've been watching Hard Knocks, we are, as we record this, it's two two shows into that series. I'm ready to run through a wall for Dan Campbell, all right? I'm ready to punch through television sets as I'm watching it. I don't care, man. I understand. Listen, and I say this jokingly. However, it does go back to last season, right? Like, he became a joke at the very beginning because of that opening press conference where he started talking about biting kneecaps and snapping ankles and all the different things like that or whatever. But then you kept hearing out of, out of, from the beat writers, 
hey, I'm talking to the players, and they love this guy. Like, they are bought in on his messaging. They are bought in on this team. They are bought in on the future of this team. And you kept hearing this from beat writers, but we didn't have any sort of glimpse of any of that because we're not in the locker room, and we're not the beat writers who get to interact with these guys left and right. And now we've been taken inside the locker room, and you do kind of see what they're talking about. Now, listen, is that going to equal any wins? I have no idea, but you can certainly understand, whereas Urban Meyer, you heard right off the bat, completely lost that team. They had no respect for the dude. Nobody wanted to play for Urban Meyer, like right out of the gate. You kind of understand now after you see a little bit of what's going on with Dan Campbell and you go, all right, I can see why these dudes like want to play for this guy. Like, I can see why you'd you'd want to go out there and try and give it your all. I mean, you got Jamal Williams sitting there closing the practice out, starting to cry because, you know, he's got so much emotion going on with with what's going on with that team. So, Stephen, again, I don't know if this equals wins on the field, of course, and that's completely different. But, you know, listen, I think there are pieces in place maybe down the line for this Lions team. Maybe this is one of these teams we start to look at the second half of the schedule, because listen, it lightens up a lot towards the end of the schedule for this team. And so maybe that's where we maybe look to back them a little bit more where maybe the, they've had a year and a half to kind of start to gel a little bit, a year and a half to try to get things going. Some of these younger players, I might add, will have more games under their belt because if you look at some of the key positions for this squad, they still got really young guys out there, right? I mean, Penny Sewell on the offensive line just played for a year. You've got Aiden Hutchinson who comes in who looks like he could be an absolute beast, but again, he is a rookie. You look at the wide receiver position, your leading receiver last year was Amon St. Brown. He was a rookie. They bring in DJ Chark, so he's in a new offense. Uh, They're not going to get Williams back until midway through the season as well, which I think was still a very good pick for them because they knew they were a year away from, from anything actually probably happening anyway. So you get Jamison Williams at, you know, basically a midseason pickup for them. I mean, I think they're something maybe second half of the season to look at with this squad. But I don't know if I'll have any preseason bets on them. Yeah, we've been asking around the staff. There's some Michigan natives, some Detroit fans. And like, well, I was asking them, what's success for this year? Because obviously the betting community got really excited about this team last year. They were underdogs in every single game they played and went 11 and six against the spread. They were just like like the the favorite team of the sports betting community a year ago. But since 2000, teams that are dogs in, in over 10 games in a season have covered just 46% of the time. So I generally don't like trends, but the NFL is the most efficient market in the world when it comes to sports betting. So that what the Lions did last year was extremely rare historically in terms of the NFL and betting. So what does that mean for this year? I don't think you can just automatically say that because they covered a lot of spreads as underdogs last year, that they're now going to win games the following year and be close to a 500 team. Most of the the Lions community I've talked to is they still have realistic expectations right around this win total, like six, seven wins is probably realistic for them. So the one stat that really stood out to me when diving into this team was one uh, from a guy on Twitter named Sharp Clark. If you look at the percentage of total points scored in the NFL last year, 
uh, by teams in games where the game was essentially out of doubt uh, or, or not in doubt. So that team had less than a 1% win probability at that point in the game. And the Lions scored 19% of their points a year ago when they had a win probability of less than 1%. Like that is extreme garbage time work by them. And the next closest team was 16%. The Giants, the Jets were at 15%, Jaguars at 11 and the Texans were at 8%. So... Yes, they started 0-8. They switched play callers from Anthony Lynn to Dan Campbell and were better the rest of the season. But what was actually better? What, what was that measure? They were still only middle of the road in EPA per play in that 3-5-1 and one stretch the rest of the way. They were still only 19th in success rate. They were 7th in EPA per pass. I think Amon Ross St. Brown was a huge addition in that regard. Um, and I do like Dan Campbell's aggressiveness. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth down, so that could lead to a little bit more variance and and maybe getting the higher end of the ceiling here Uh, but but the talent matt is still lacking in very important position groups starting at quarterback and also on defense this is a bottom 10 unit in both the front seven and the secondary so yeah i'm I'm gonna be interested to back them as sizable dogs week to week but in terms of optimism for the season and taking overs on win totals or, or division odds or anything like that i can't get there with them Adam, we're sitting at six and a half wins as their win total right now. If you did want to play an alt on these teams, there's a five and a, there's a under five and a half at plus 165. There's an over seven and a half at plus 165. If you look at this schedule and bear with me, but you've got the commanders, you've got Seattle, you've got Miami that may or may not be good. We have, we don't really know. You get Chicago twice. You've got the Giants, you've got Jacksonville, you've got the Jets, you've got Carolina. There are nine winnable games on this schedule. Now, are they going to win all of them? Absolutely not. Are they going to mess around and beat some team that we think is going to be really, really good? Probably not either. But nine winnable games, in my opinion, I'm actually a little bit lower on the Patriots than most people, so I would almost even throw 10 in there as 10 winnable games on this schedule. Is six and a half wins too low for this squad or is Jared Goff just not so uninspiring that it's it's hard to pull the trigger? It's a weak betting option. And yet right now, as we sit here preseason, I think it's really important to understand where the betting market has already moved on this team and whether or not you're getting the right numbers and whether there are alternative ways to go after betting the Lions right now. So if you look at that six and a half, you have to understand that most books opened at five and a half. It's already been bet up to six and a half. I'm with you that there are that many winnable games on the schedule. And if you want to add fuel to an overfire, you can say that they went two and six and one score games last year. Very notably, they had a couple of very long field goals go against them in games yeah. that they were going to win. And that would have put them at five wins last year as opposed to only having three. So there are a lot of ways you can point with the Lions and say this is going to get better, right? A full season of Amon Ross St. Brown breaking out a little bit more. You've got DJ Chark coming in, a guy who averaged better than 14 yards uh, per reception down in Jacksonville. You have some additions here to get excited about, especially when Jamison Williams comes back as that schedule gets lighter in the second half of the year. However, I do think that between hard knocks and the movement we already saw from smart people earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. you're not getting great numbers right now compared to where the market has been on the Lions. And I think if you see the Lions open up slowly, 
the numbers might settle back down a little bit to where you're more interested in playing them. Those adjusted win totals as the season goes along, if you're looking long term and you're seeing that weak schedule down the stretch and the potential addition of Jamison Williams, then you're saying to yourself, hey, okay, this is where I want to get the Lions as opposed to right now. Now, where did I get the Lions and how am I betting the Lions? Uh, The NFL is a 12 month sport, gentlemen, a 12 month betting sport. Uh, I agree. May 3rd. I was poking around on a particular app. Uh, Matt, I believe I texted you on this night yeah. and said, Dan Campbell at 66 to one for coach of the year. Yeah, um, I bet it for twenty five dollars just to put my finger on the mousetrap and see, OK, mm-hmm. are they going to take this right? Yeah. And, and they did. And I came back with another twenty five and they rejected it. I came back with 20. They took it. I came back with another 20. They moved it to forty five. So Dan Campbell at coach of the year, 60 to one. Here's what I believe. Matt, you just said nine winnable games, right? What's the seven seed in the NFC's record going to be this year? Yeah, nine and eight. Right. Nine and eight, maybe ten and, and seven at best. Yeah. Like nine, nine, nine and eight, I think, is a reasonable wild card for the seven seed in the NFC. If that's the Detroit Lions after hard knocks and after all of the Dan Campbell love, he's going to be right in the mix when it comes to coach of the year voting for getting a six win improvement out of this team. Right now, obviously, I'm talking about a number you can't get anymore because what's the market? 16 to 1 in most places on Dan Campbell Mm. for coach of the year. One more thing I'll throw at you if you want to look at how to bet the Lions early in the year. I'm looking at week two. We've already seen the Lions shorten up on them down to near a field goal against the Eagles at home. That opened four and a half in a lot of spots. But if you look at week two, they're sitting there as a two point home dog to the Carson Washington football team. Don't call them the Redskins commanders coming into Ford Field. That to me is the teaser leg of the year uh, to be able to get the Lions plus eight at home and figure out what you want to pair it up with later, because that's a spot that I think the Lions are ripe if they are really improved this year to pick off a uh, Washington team that I don't think any of us have much of an expectation for. Yeah, we talked about the Bears best number being 175 to one to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you can find a 150 to one on the Lions. Listen, neither one of them winning the Super Bowl. I mean, but if you just want to have, you know, if you're a home team guy, if you just like to have a bet on your home team every single year, I would much rather have a 150 on the Lions in my account than a 175 on the Bears. That is for damn sure. So I would be all over that if that's one of the things that I just kind of like to do on a year to year basis on in the NFC North. Best number you can find is at DraftKings at 10 to one. Uh, for them to win the, win the NFC North. I don't like going that direction either because I do still think that the Packers and Vikings are still a, a good year ahead of these teams. I do think Packers are on the down on the downslide here a little bit. Might be looking at the Lions for something like this next year, but uh, 10 to 1 on them. Best you're going to find 150 to 1 to them on the Super Bowl. I mean, guys, I look at this and, and Adam, I think this is a, you brought up a really good point here. If they happen to lose that game against Washington, though, and they start off 0-3, so Eagles and Washington and the Vikings, and they start off 0-3, I am going to mark now, I'm going to put a reminder in my calendar to check the Lions record after week three, and I'm going to come in on an over on a win total here because they're going to get Seattle in week four, who I consider to be the worst team in the NFL, Still getting Chicago twice, the Jet, the the Jaguars, the Jets, the Panthers. I mean, all of these games right here. And if I'm going to get a, 
an over four and a half or something like that on this team at that point, you better believe I'm going to come in all day long in this Lions squad. Still think they're a year or two away. Need a quarterback for sure. Jared Goff's not the future, but I do think that this team is heading in the right direction. Let's talk the favorites in this division right now, guys, and let's talk the Green Bay Packers. You can find them. The best number you can find is a minus 155 over at BetMGM for them to win the NFC North. If you want them to win the Super Bowl, if you think that the loss of Devontae Adams is not all that much of a thing, you can also find a 12 to 1 on them to win the Super Bowl over at BetMGM. Adam, I am not in that camp. I look at this and I take a look at a team that loses Devontae Adams, but also loses Zadarius Smith and Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick and Dennis Kelly and Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Chandon Sullivan. And so all these names aren't names that really like, hey, for the casual fan, jump off the page and make you go, oh, man, wow, this is really terrible for these. I can't believe this is going to you know, be how this all works out. And you're going to try to replace the production in that offense of Devontae Adams with Sammy Watkins. Like, is that what we're going with here? Because we already know that he doesn't like any of the rookies. Like, he can't stand the rookies right now. That They're not running the right routes, and they don't know where to line up. So he's only going to go to people that he trusts in that, in that offense, at least at the beginning of the season anyway. Christian Watson apparently can't get it together. So I think that just because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, and I'm – I can't wait to hear your opinion on all this. Like, is he still one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Arguably one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? Absolutely. But at some point, there has to be rational thought coming in of minus 155 for them to win a division in which the Vikings did get exponentially better. And I think the argument could be made that they got exponentially worse so tell me what you like as we head in here, you know, August the 18th, what you see with this Packers squad. So take that number you just gave me the minus 155, turn the implied probability around. Do you, Matt Brown, think that the Packers have a 61% chance to win the division this year? Absolutely not. Never. No, I, I don't either. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's that high. Do I think they should be the favorites right now? Yeah, they have to be the favorites coming in because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Minnesota for me is one of those teams where we're going to get into the Vikings in a minute here. But every time I start to believe in Minnesota, something turns sideways. Now, I think what's going to turn it back the right way is the lack of Mike Zimmer. But when we talk about the Green Bay Packers here, look, Rodgers has gotten demonstrably worse under pressure the last couple of years. We don't know if David Bakhtiari is going to be available at left tackle for any length of time. Elton Jenkins is already hurt uh, in training camp and they want him to be their swing tackle on both sides. And so when we talk about being able to protect Aaron Rodgers, well, that matters even more this year when he's trying to throw it a big Bob Tunyon, Al Lazard, Christian Watkins and uh, preseason Hall of Famer Romeo Dobbs. So when you look at this Packers team, you have to say to yourself, is the ceiling 13 wins again? Right. The ceiling has been up at 13 wins the last couple of years. Now, you can be the Devontae Adams doesn't matter. Everyone gets worse when they go away from Rogers apologist if you want, because over the last couple of years, seven games over three seasons, 31 points a game without Devontae Adams. 
I, if you want to bet me that they have another seven games at any point this year where they average 31 points per game, I'll take the other side of that. I will absolutely take the under on that. Aaron Rodgers is worth a lot, but minus 155 is too heavy on the Packers to win the division. I think realistically, this is probably about a. T- I mean, I think the number's right on the win total, right? At 10 and a half. I, I think 11 is probably a reasonable number. I think Rodgers can win you a number of close games on his own. Uh, I think LaFleur actually is a pretty solid coach when it comes to making the right decisions. But right now, as we stand today in the middle of August, there's no way that I see Green Bay as a 61% favorite to win the division. Steven, when we take a look at this squad, and I mean, listen, by no stretch am I trying to say that they're going to be bad. That is not where I'm going with this. But I mean, if you do look, it's going to be one of the worst wide receiver cores in all of the NFL. Like that's it's going to be one of the worst pass catch cores on all the in all the NFL. It's just the way it is. There's not a guy out there that, again, unless one of these rookies just pulls a Jamar Chase on us, which we don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be tough for them to consistently move the chains. I mean, I understand you got a great backfield. You do. You got two really, really good running backs and you still have Aaron Rodgers. But at some point, receivers are going to have to make a play for you if you're going to consistently move the ball up and down the field. And I think that whenever you look at what Aaron Rodgers is going to have to work with this year, I don't think that that is just something we can say, oh, it's definitely going to happen because it's Aaron Rodgers. He'll figure it out. He'll just figure out a way. And then you look at some of these other losses and stuff. And I I think that you're looking at a team I'm not, I, I'm, look, I'm not, I don't regret that I made the bet. I have an under 11 and a half on this team as a win total. I did put that in. I think it's probably pretty close on them whenever you really do kind of break down the schedule and whatnot. But I expect this team to take a step back this year. And if I'm expecting the Lions to take a step forward to where those are no longer just complete slam dunk wins. If I think the Vikings are taking a step forward, which I do, and those are going to be either hard fought games or losses or whatever, then I have to just kind of make my bets in accordance with how I think the season's going to play out. So I do have an under 11 and a half on, on this Vikings. I mean, on this uh, Packer squad. And, and I think that this is a division that's pretty way more wide open than the odds imply. Matt, if you look at the Super Bowl prices for the Packers and then the trickle down to all their other derivative markets, it's like they're still pricing them with Devontae Adams there. They are 10 to 1 at some books. That's ahead of the, the Rams. That's ahead of the Chargers. I just I just think that's incorrect. I would have both of those teams over the Packers at this point. So I'm having trouble finding a good price to fade them at going into the season. But long term end game what is the ceiling of this team this is not a team that i think is going to play in the super bowl they have a lot of negative regression issues coming into the year five and one in games decided by a field goal or less last year that could flip and they went seven and zero in games against justin fields taylor heineke sean mannion tyler huntley and Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield in their first games back from injury. The rest of the games, they went six and four. Like this sounds eerily familiar to the type of team and the type of schedule and and benefits that the Dallas Cowboys had last year and, and what we talked about them as a team that can win regular season games against inferior opponents. But once you get to the postseason, are they going to be able to reach that ceiling to get to the final game of the year? So I, I think this is a, a team that I'm going to be watching very close 
closely in terms of the injury report. We mentioned the offensive line, and when they're healthy, it's a very strong offensive line. But Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Myers have had their fair share of health issues over the years. And when they didn't have those guys, they gave up a 32% pressure rate in the playoffs to the 49ers last year and got bounced and couldn't move the ball whatsoever past the first series of the game. For context, the Bills were the only team last year for the season that had a 30% pressure rate. So I think this team is extremely fragile. I think the coaching staff, for whatever reason, has stupidly been run heavy on first downs over the past few years, despite the fact that they have Aaron Rodgers. And I think losing Devontae Adams isn't going to make them more pass happy on first downs, which is which means they're going to have to run a lot more third downs if they're not efficient on first downs. So um, I think that there's a wide range of outcomes for this team with a, with a floor that is a lot lower than it's been in recent years. Not the end-all, be-all, but again, you know, we, we like to look at everybody's information and the guys over at Football Outsiders, they do simulations of the season. They did one million sims of this upcoming season and the mean projection for this Packers team was 9.3 wins. So a full two games under the 11 and a half win total sitting out there for the Packers at some of the books. And so just again, not the end all be all, but we do take in all the information that we get out there. And again, after a million simulations, 9.3 wins for this Packers squad, only making the postseason 55% of the time in those simulations as well. So, uh, Football Outsiders pretty down on this team. I'm pretty down on this team relative to where, you know, I think some of these other teams have either improved or some of the other teams that I think at least can be tricky somewhere along the way as they navigate the schedule. You do have games against the Bucks and Buffalo and the Rams, you know, out throughout the course of the season. A maybe much better Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, there there are a bunch of games on this schedule that if the Packers aren't playing up to snuff that they could easily drop here. So a team that I don't like to win this division, especially at the price that's sitting here. I like the under win total. The only thing I did do, guys, and is maybe it's more of a, a hedge for me if I'm completely wrong about this team. But Aaron Rodgers, we always know. We hear this all the time. Why did he not throw the ball to Marcus Valdez-Scanling? Why did Equinemia St. Brown never become an off- a, a part of this offense? Why have receivers come and gone in there? Because this is a guy who talks all the time about I'm going to get the ball to the people I trust. I'm going to throw the ball to people I trust. I took Aaron Jones for offensive player of the year at 60 to one, because I think that we might find ourselves at least early on in the season with him lining up in the slot 40% of the time, you know, but like until these, until these rookie receivers gain the trust of Aaron Rodgers until he feels like he feels comfortable enough to throw them the ball. He's already a pretty good pass catching back as it is anyway. And you have a, pretty easy out when you consider that their backfield is pretty deep to put him in the slot and use him as much more of a receiver, get the ball in his hands and let him do things with the ball. So I thought 61 was too long on Aaron Jones in an offense that I think Aaron Rodgers might say, okay, there's still an 80 to one, by the way, there's an 80 to one. There you go. An 80 to one on, on, on Aaron Jones for offensive player of the year. So I do think that is at least another way that you can go about betting this team. If, um, if you want to, but for me, I'm an under on the wins and I think that this team could actually end up disappointing. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Minnesota Vikings. This is a team I am extremely high on this season. I think that there is a ton of upside here. And Adam, as we were as we were kind of discussing some of the other teams, you brought it up. So I do want to start things off with you here. I mean, listen, the biggest upgrade for this team right out of the gate has nothing to do with any of the player personnel whatsoever. And everything to do with the fact that Mike Zimmer and his archaic ways are out the door. Kevin O'Connell is in, and I don't care that Kevin O'Connell has never been a head coach before. I am already going to proclaim that this is a win for this Minnesota Vikings team. He comes over. He was at, he was with the Rams. You'd got to think that he's going to bring a lot of that stuff over with him that can maximize the talent that Kirk Cousins had has at the wide receiver position. I think this is just massive, massive, massive upgrade for this Vikings team before we even get to the player personnel that I think is an upgrade as well. This is the Britney Spears team for me. Uh, Matt, (laughs) hit me, baby, one more time. Hit me hard because (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings have hit me so hard directly between the eyes so many times, especially last year. Minnesota was my team that I could not leave alone And I was wrong nearly every week on Minnesota when I thought it was their time. Mike Zimmer would come out and run the ball 76 times Mm. and Kirk Cousins wouldn't get to throw it. And Justin Jefferson would have three targets. Right. So I do think there's a massive addition by subtraction there. But let's talk about something else that happened here. The addition of Zadarius Smith. Now, this is a team that could not get to the quarterback. Now, let's talk about the addition of Harrison Phillips. It's a team that couldn't stop the run. Right now, I'm still worried about the fact that Patrick Peterson at age 57 is starting a corner for right. the Minnesota Vikings. I do think the secondary can be had uh, for the Vikings, but I also think they're going to be able to be a lot better in the front seven, both getting to the quarterback and stopping the run with lighter boxes than they have been in the past, which is going to bode well for them in the long run. Now, let's get back to the offense, which is what we were talking about here in the first place with Minnesota. You don't have to like Kirk Cousins. I don't think a lot of people do like Kirk Cousins. I don't think they like him as a quarterback. I don't think they like him as a caricature. But Kirk Cousins, any way you slice it, is a top 10 NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. He is. There's no getting around it. The way he, he throws the ball, he is a top 10 NFL quarterback. And Justin Jefferson might well be the best receiver in the NFL. Now, beyond that, you got to project on health, right? You got to project on Adam Thielen, on Irv Smith for health. And let's be honest, KJ Osborne was pretty good last year uh, in the spots where he got opportunity. There is a lot to like about the Minnesota Vikings coming into this year. And I hate, hate, hate how much I like the Vikings. I despise it. I do not want to like the Vikings because I do not trust myself betting the Vikings. But like you said, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Rams tree, right? 
The question for me is going to be, how much did Kevin O'Connell learn in the past couple of years working with Sean McVay? Because we have seen Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator before. And when he was the offensive coordinator in Washington, things were not great. Uh, 30th in offensive DVOA, 28th in PFF passing grade. It was not dealing with the same level of talent that he has here in Minnesota. And so when you look at Kevin O'Connell, you say to yourself, how often do new head coaches come into this kind of situation? Most times you're right. coming into a team that's won three or four games, right? No, he's coming into a team that has only won eight games because of Mike Zimmer, because of right. Mike Zimmer holding them down. This is a team that just based on the addition by subtraction should be a 10 win team plus 240 to win the division. Yes. Thank you. I will take a piece of that. 10 games decided by one score or fewer. No, if you make if you bring it out to 8 points it was 14. Yeah. I mean, it's wow. insanity when you look at at this squad. But as you mentioned, Zedaria Smith in, Harrison Phillips is in, Jordan Hicks is in, Chandon Sullivan is in. There are and used a first round pick on a safety that is a, look, a lot of lot of upside here, Andrew Booth in the second round at corner. They had a second second round pick in which they used on an offensive guard to give them some depth on that offensive line. I loved what they did in the offseason. I love what they did in the draft. And if you take a look here, Stephen, I mean, Adam said it. Any way you slice it, Kirk Cousins, a top 10 quarterback, the sixth overall graded quarterback, in the NFL last year, according to Pro Football Focus, out of 37 qualifiers. And I mean, you, you again, it's it's because of the way that Zimmer ran this offense, or I should say lack thereof, that people I don't think truly appreciated what Cousins was getting done on the field last year because he took the ball out of his hands at the end of games. I mean, he didn't allow him to continue to do what he was doing in the first half of these games. And so... I think people look at Cousins a certain way when really it was the way the, offenses, the offense was being called. You get Justin Jefferson, by the way, fourth-rated receiver overall in the NFL. Adam Thielen, and even though he is aging a little bit, still in the upper, upper third of all receivers in the NFL. The tight end position is super deep for them. We know it's one of the best running back tandems, if not the best running back tandem in all of the NFL. So there is very, very little here not to like about this team as we head into this season. I mean, the you look at what was going on last year. They never, because of Zimmer and his archaic ways, they only used 11 personnel on 33% of their snaps last year, of their passing snaps. That was last in the NFL, not just by a little bit, but by... <laughs> A mass by 12. The, the next was the Browns, who was at 46%. The NFL average was 69%. They were 33, they were 36% off of the NFL average in running 11 personnel. I mean, like, you have these weapons and you didn't use them. You didn't deploy them. You didn't maximize your talent here. And so it can only get better with Kevin O'Connell. It can only get better another year under Jefferson's belt, another year for Kirk Cousins to, to understand, hey, look, all right, I've got this talent now. I've got this team. As long as I don't make bonehead mistakes, like we could win some games here. It's very, very hard for me to not like what I see here. I am already on them to win the division. I'm already on Kirk Cousins as an MVP candidate. I'm already on Justin Jefferson as Offensive Player of the Year. I have a lot of liability on this Minnesota Vikings team. Tell me why I shouldn't. 
Man, we're going to be sharing that liability together. <laughs> I'm not joking when I say this, Matt. I just canceled my next meeting in a few minutes. So let's take our time and talk about all the ways <laughs> we're going to make money on the Minnesota Vikings this season. Let's start with the Kirk Cousins haters that Adam mentioned because they're wrong and they're stupid and they need to stop watching first take. Kirk Cousins' fourth lowest percentage of inaccurate passes last year. That was despite being outside the top 20 in EPA per attempt on layup throws. So he could absolutely get even better in that category. He had a positive completion percentage over expectation. He was one of the five best in the NFL in percentage of dropbacks resulting in a sack or an interception. He did not make mistakes in either of those categories. And here's a stat for you. Only Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson have posted 100 plus passer ratings in each of the three seasons. You like that? You like that? (laughs) Kirk Cousins is an above average quarterback, and I'm trying to figure out which I like more. The over 4,200 passing yards for Cousins, because he's hit that number in back-to-back years with Mike frickin' Zimmer as his head coach. And he's also done it in two other seasons where he's had 600-plus attempts, which I fully expect him to have this year. Matthew Stafford had that many attempts last year under Kevin O'Connell. Or perhaps even the over... 30 and a half passing touchdowns, which seems like a really high number for Kirk Cousins if you're looking at it through the lens of previous seasons. But again, this is not Mike Zimmer's team. Kevin O'Connell's Rams were fourth in red zone passing rate last year, second in pass rate inside the 10 yard line, first in pass rate inside the five yard line, and 80% of their offensive touchdowns were passing touchdowns last year, number one in the NFL. Can't argue with you on that 60-1 to MVP price if he finds his ceiling and this offense is going to be as 11 personnel heavy as we expect it to be. And lastly, I want to circle back to to just drive home the point about what you guys said about Kevin O'Connell. Because sometimes there's this narrative that gets created when you hire an offensive coordinator of a team where the head coach is considered the offensive mastermind. So there's that question of whether or not, how much is he actually doing there? How much credit should he get? Well, Yahoo! Who sports NFL insider Charles Robinson recently went on underdog and fully explained this from like an insider's perspective. He said Kevin O'Connell was doing a lot with the Rams. Quote, if he had stayed with the Rams, he was full blown offensive coordinator, play caller, design everything. I don't think there was a single offensive coach. Sean McVay was leaning on more than O'Connell last season. End quote. And he said that means a lot of trust. That means a lot on his plate. And Robinson even said if McVay did wind up stepping away and stop coaching and go grab the money bag to be on TV, he fully expected that it would be O'Connell as the next head coach of the Rams after they just won the Super Bowl. That's a lot of respect, man. I mean, that's that's up there with Brian Dable in terms of respect for an offensive coordinator becoming a head coach. And O'Connell, like you guys said, is walking into a ready-made situation ripe for positive regression and... If we're getting a price on the Packers at minus 155, as short as minus 190 to win the division with the potential lack of depth that they had with the Adams situation, and you're giving me plus 270 on the Vikings to win this division, I think that's definitely a roll of the dice here. And I could be I can be convinced to even go further and look at NFC and Super Bowl futures with this team because I think the top of this conference is susceptible to some negative regression. I think you can poke a lot of holes in the top of this conference. Adam, if we take a look at this, I mean, 
we, we, we always talk about with these, with any bets we make, we like to be able to draw a straight line as to how it can possibly get there so long as our narrative plays out. We don't need all these zigs and zags or whatever. Like, what's the straight line here? Well, what if we just think that the Vikings are a superior team to the Packers? They're going to win the division because they're just a better team. If that leads to a 12-5-ish and five-ish season, Kirk Cousins at MVP, there's a 60-1 to one out there still available at Caesars. If it tells you anything, it's 40 to 1 at FanDuel, 60 to 1 at Caesar. So you can see it has been bet at FanDuel. It's 45 to 1 at points bet. It's 50 to 1 at DraftKings. It has been bet at these other books. It's still sitting at 60 to 1 over there at Caesars. We know that the MVP award is a quarterback award. It just is. They're going to give it to a quarterback. And then you look at Justin Jefferson. And if we believe that Justin Jefferson is going to have the type of of season that he's going to have as well, you know, being fed could lead the league in receptions, could lead the league in yards, could lead the league in touchdowns, could lead the league in all three. Could he sweep it all? Who knows? You can still find like an 18 to one on him for offensive player of the year, or even a nine to one on most receiving yards. I think that there are multiple ways to go about betting this team. Well, there are also ways that you can look at this and say to yourself, I'm a little bit worried about the award markets, right? Like the objective measures of the Vikings, I think aren't going to be all that questionable by the end of the year. I like the division bet. I think you can make a reasonable NFC case if you don't believe that Tampa is going to be what it's been. If you believe that the Rams are right to take a step back, I'm not necessarily in on both those ideas, but I do think it's a case you can make. Uh, when it comes to the awards, go back to what Steven just talked about. Go back to what we've all talked about. People don't like Kirk Cousins. Right. And it is a narrative driven award. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to have to go above and beyond in order to be an MVP. Now, that said, at 60 to one for a quarterback award for an award where 18 of the last 20 winners have been quarterbacks, where a running back hasn't won since 2012 to get a quarterback of what we expect to be a division winning team at 60 to one. Yeah. Just based on value alone, you probably have to go there. I'm I, I listen, I, I just look at this team. There's a plus 275 still available out there. If you shop around, it, you know, plus 265 is certainly available everywhere for the Vikings to win the NFC North. One of my favorite tickets I have in my account. I think only the Colts to win the AFC South is the the one that I like better. But I, I love, love, love this Vikings team to win this division. Again, I think a lot of things would have to go wrong for them not to be at least super competitive in this division and then you also super competitive in this league and look the nfc is the weaker conference this year i think there's no denying that and let's say even they let's say they happen to stumble in week one against the packers well guys it's a pretty good stretch of getting of get right games because it goes eagles lions saints bears miami none of which we think we all think could be good none of which we think are going to be world beaters by any stretch of the imagination Cardinals in week eight. I think the Cardinals could certainly be mediocre. And that's and pre DeAndre Hopkins coming back, by the way. Right, right. And, and so, and then Washington in week nine, which we all think Washington's going to be mediocre this year. So, even an early stumble at Green Bay doesn't really affect my view of this squad at all because there are a whole bunch, there's a big stretch there between week two and week nine where they can get this thing right back on track. I do want to throw just a little bit of cold water on this. Sure, we should. I am am with you guys. I think the value is there at the numbers that we are being presented. But just to fully give everybody the range of outcomes here, 
we are still talking about some a team with some units that are inferior. The offensive line was great at 26 by Sharp Football compared to 11th for the Packers if all are healthy. Ninth for the front seven for the Packers compared to 20th for the Vikings defense. 26th ranked secondary for the Vikings compared to the number one secondary for the Packers. So that defense in particular, I think, still has some some talent they need to come up with. And I do think that if they're healthy, though, that front seven is solid. Top 15 edge guy in Daniil Hunter, who they brought back, but he's only played in seven games over the past two years. The Darius Smith, as Adam mentioned, top 30 pass rush grade by PFF, but that secondary is old and they were 19th in drop back success rate last year. So if that defense isn't doing enough to help them win games, I think we're at least looking at an over team here week to week. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in Vikings games this year. Yeah, if you look at Hunter and Smith, if they can get just, you know, if we, if we look, I understand it's a long time ago, but if you look at 2019, right? Zedaria Smith had 93 quarterback pressures. Daniil Hunter had 88. That was first and second in the NFL. Now they weren't on the same team, but like you, you have you have two guys that just a couple of seasons ago were first and second in the NFL in quarterback pressures, yeah. right? And so there's a lot that goes on with the health of both of those te- both of those guys. But even if you get them back to 90 even if you're getting 90 percent of that right you don't even need a hundred percent of what they were a couple of years ago if you can get 90 percent of that adam you've got a pretty damn good well i think to to look at that uh, you talked about the difference there steven from 11th to 26th between the front sevens i think if you you want to go to one of the sports books that'll let you name a bet if they would let me name a bet on which team will have more sacks by the end of the year and I can get a reasonable price on the Vikings versus the Packers, I think it's reasonable to say the Vikings could end up. I know sacks are not the easiest to predict. Pressures are a lot more predictable. Sure. But when you put in a potential two gap run stuffer and Harrison Phillips into the middle, well, then you yeah. just made it a lot easier to be able to get more blitzes if you need more blitzes to be able to go with just uh, getting those edge guys there in a lot easier form than you have in the past. So, yes, a lot has to go right. I agree with you, Stephen. We're not we shouldn't be talking about the Vikings at the level of the Rams or the Buccaneers right now. But mm-hmm. where the market is, is what we care about. And the market right now Absolutely. is still looking at the Vikings as Mike Zimmer's clown show. Yeah, I agree. If we look at the Matt, they're priced right now as the projected seven seed to make the playoffs competing with the Cardinals and uh, and the Saints. And I think we all agree the ceiling is a lot higher than that. I, I agree. And just one last thing to put a bow on this. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, they get the biggest one of the very biggest jumps in ease of offenses that they are going to play this year in all the NFL. The difference is the third biggest jump in pass offensive in pass offenses versus right so their schedule is getting exponentially easier from a defensive perspective against pass offenses and the second easiest in rush uh, rush offense difference. And so, I mean again, this defense is going to catch a break there as well because the schedule just eases up for them against opponents that they're going to play. So I just, again, I could be wrong. And as we said, we've all been burned by this Viking squad so many times before, but it's a new day. It is a, it is a new, it is a new day. Adam, as we sit here, I'm going to head out and I will call, I will call this division as Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. How do you think this thing all plays out when it's all said and done? 
as we sit here on uh, on August 18th, I I will still say that I think the Green Bay Packers are the rightful favorite mm-hmm. in the division because it really is a show me situation for the Vikings sure. because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. So I will I will tentatively still say Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears, but it's not going to shock me at all when the Vikings uh, ultimately win this division. Stephen, I assume you're 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 one of the two. Which way are you going? You still you, you lean in Packers? Or you going to give it to the to the Vikings? I still think like slightly greater than fifty percent chance that the Packers win this division. But this minus one fifty five, yeah. the minus one ninety stuff is ridiculous. So uh, I put it this way: like somehow, I, I we talked in a previous podcast that the. The Ravens are the favorite to win that division over the Bengals, who I think we only got stronger. And I that's a bad price, right? But in the opposite situation here with the Vikings, to get plus 270, almost 3-1, to one, compared to some of the other division prices we're getting on teams around the NFL, that price is just too good to ignore. So the implied probability doesn't match the odds in my mind. Therefore, it's a valuable bet, and I'm going to take it. Guys, the way that it is so easy for us to find these odds so quickly, if you go over to lines.com, you can click on the odds tab. It is, you can, whatever state you live in, click on the state, and we're going to show you the best price for every single bet that you can make across the board. Then there's also a little prop finder button if you're coming to us on the web. If you're coming to us on mobile, you just click the odds tab. It'll say prop finder tool. Type in a person's name. Just type in anybody's name and we're going to show you the exact best place that you can get for the number on any of these futures markets we're talking about, any of the yardage totals, any of these things like that as we head into the season. It is incredibly, incredibly valuable to make sure you are getting the best number on all these things. As we just mentioned, the numbers vary greatly, especially when you start talking about these futures markets and things like that. So. Do not take less than you can possibly get, and we make it so easy for you to do. So just head over there and take advantage of that. Trust me, I wish I had it available to me here in Nevada. I don't, but you rest of country are able to use it. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome tool to easily see where you can find the best number, and you don't have to just ping pong all around trying to shuffle through apps and things like that. Everything we do, absolutely free. Subscribe, rate, review if you're watching us. On the YouTubes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. And if you have any questions, put them in the comment section. We'll be sure to answer them on a future podcast as well. Adam, first podcast in the in the saddle here, buddy. Awesome job, and we can't wait for a very profitable NFL I, season this year. I like this talking in front of a microphone thing. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. If you want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one you want to follow Adam, Adam Candy, two E's, no Y, me, at Matt Brown M2. Good luck on all your bets.